Welcome to Learning Through Math, the podcast. I'm Laura at I Teach the Why. I'm Karina at Mrs. Cousins 5. Our mission is to inspire ourselves and others to keep learning and improving with passion. And hugs. You can find us at learningthroughmath.com and on Twitter at Laura and Karina. Come and join us on this journey of learning. Thanks for joining us. We are recording this part in December of 2023. And welcome to episode 125, a conversation with the math guru. I'm so excited. Vanessa Vicaria. Um, can I just tell everyone they are in for a super special treat, but we have to give a adult content Disclaimer. warning. Yeah. Yes. Yeah that um, we don't want you to listen to this episode in front of children. There's adult language being used on this episode, and we just want to give everyone fair warning. Yes, we're usually clean, but this one is going to be explicit. So Yes. Okay. First, we want to give a shout out to a new listener so that excited. gave us a review on Apple Podcast. Yay! It is Meg's 1518. She said, eye opening as the subject. I came across this podcast while looking for more info on building number sense and building thinking classrooms. This podcast has everything and more that I was looking for. Laura and Karina's energy and enthusiasm is contagious and has brought so much excitement back into my teaching. Keep Yay. up the awesome work. Oh. oh, I love that. Thanks, Megs. We appreciate that. Now we got to yeah. know who you are. So make sure when this episode drops, you tag us back and say, it's me or something like that. So we can make sure we follow you. <laughs> Absolutely. That's so awesome. I love hearing that. Me too. Warms my heart. <laughs> Fills our cups. Because let me tell you, it is a draining profession because, oh. ooh, uh, you know, I I feel like- I do know. No. <laughs> yeah, I know you know. I, but I, this, uh, here's, here's the realization that I have come to this week, after this week. Um, you know the saying, it takes a village. I say I that feel, just about every day at school to another yeah. adult. Yeah. I feel though that people have forgotten what it what it is like to be in a village, right? Mm. Because there's uh, there's like a lack of of respect when it comes to other adults in the village. So what I mean by by this, I I, I don't want to go into specifics because it's a personal example and I don't really want to go there, but there's just, there's some things in my classroom that I'm going to do a certain way because mm -hmm. that is, that is my way. And, mm -hmm. and I'm talking more behavior, not, not academic. Mm -hmm. And I want things to be a certain way, or I, my expectation is this, and that might not match your expectation at home and that's okay. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times it's not okay with parents. And I think we've, we've, forgotten that it's not just one person helping raise these children. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. we are in a community and you have to respect boundaries that I've set up 
and you can't just swoop in and change the rules because you don't like them. You're right. You know? So anyway, so I, I just, that's been weighing on me. So I, I wanted to share that a little bit, but I, I just wish that people remembered that it's, you know, that we're people too. Yeah. And, you know? and I want what's best for, yes. for kids. And, and you might not understand where I'm coming from, but you're not in my classroom all day long. Right. So, you know, you got to kind of let me let be me in charge. My best judgment. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, anyway. Okay. Well, I'm going to share my good news. Yes. Uh, well, let's, let's go to good news. Okay. I got through, <laughs> I'm not going to say successfully. I got through doing building thinking classrooms task, a building thinking classrooms task with the first graders yesterday. Ooh. It was a hot mess of a dumpster fire. <laughs> not going to lie. Oh boy. Oh boy. This class, okay, I had two different classes, and one of the classes has 25 first graders in it, and Ugh. they're, you know, they're all unique and have their own set of circumstances and needs right. and everything, but I was like, I'm going to give this a shot. So I did the Farmer John task, and I changed the number of legs to 12. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was not very successful. These, Oof. let me just tell you, these kids have an amazing teacher. Okay. Amazing. Okay. Like I would want to be in her class. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, I think there's just too many of them. Right. And that they all have their own special circumstances. Right. So I did it again with the second group of first okay. graders. I was like, uh, uh, try again. You know, <laughs> I'm yep. going to persevere. If at first you don't succeed. Uh, well, I don't think I succeeded very well with the second group. Although I feel like there were more of them persevering through the task okay. than giving up or not even starting or have a clue as to what to do. So I did it. Now, this upcoming Friday, which is the final Friday right before winter break, there's no way I'm doing this with kindergartners. Nope. Yeah. I don't have it in me. Nope. No. <laughs> I'm going to do something else. We'll probably play some games, you know, some, some fluency games, fluency yes. to five, fluency to 10 for addition. And yeah, that's, I think, how my Friday is going to go. With I, them. Think, I think that's a good call. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I can see some of our friends nodding along, like in my mind, as they're listening to us talk about this. 100%. They're like, yes, Laura, don't try something the day before vacation. You know? No. <laughs> nope. Yeah. All right. So listeners, again, in case you missed it at the beginning, this is a an episode not for children. There is explicit language. And now you're going to enjoy this so much, though. Now here's a conversation with Vanessa Vicaria. Listeners, you are in for an amazing treat today. 
Vanessa, <laughs> I I hope we can get through this without just laughing the entire time. We right, can't. Karina? We can. Yeah, right, right. It's not going to um, happen. Vanessa Vicaria, the math guru, a.k.a. the math therapist, is with us today. and uh, We're so excited. You have no idea what effect you've had on me, Vanessa. Stop. No, I'm serious. So last year, um, it was either last year or the year before, I changed my email tagline to say math therapist. <gasps> my friend made, got this little oh my God, I thing love made it. for me. That's, you know, for your keys and lanyard. And she no made me she made you me this ornament. It. Okay. She made me this ornament that says math therapist. Okay, wait. Oh, I need yeah, that. So the thing the thing for before. So she it's for your what is this? The badge thing that you pull. Yes. You know? And so it says Miss Tomas. It sits on your math therapist. It's yeah. so cute. And it has like a background of one of those like old school notebooks. Like, you know yes. what I mean? The black the marble composition the books. Mm-hmm. Composition book. So you, I love you. <laughs> How is it going for you? That's what I, I'm here to ask you some questions actually. <laughs> Wait a minute. This is our <laughs> this show. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. How is it going for you? <laughs> now that you've changed your tagline, how has that changed things? Um, I think... I, I mean, it probably hasn't, but I want to say that it has because honestly, people just come to me and vent and everything anyways. So now I feel like I just gave myself an official title instead of math coach <laughs> yeah. for a math therapist. But I don't charge people, so that's good, right? Yet. Growth mindset. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is my current job, so just saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just I don't charge people extra. So Vanessa, tell the listeners all about you, please. No. Because unless they've been living yes. under a rock and don't know who you are, everybody should. I like, but how do I say? How about you tell them about me? What do no. you? No, no. So <laughs> first of all, you're from Toronto. I'm from. I'm in Canada right now. There's a light dusting of snow. It is Christmas, baby. The tree is up. Oh, you guys are about to celebrate Thanksgiving, so I feel like this is sacrilege to you. I'm so sorry. Oh, no, no, no. No, listen. My tree has been up for uh, almost two years now. We don't take it down. Yes. I love Christmas so much. Oh, my God. So so much. Do we make this episode about all the Christmas rom-coms we're watching, or do we do that later? Because (laughs) it ties in because I just watched two Danica McKellar ones. I know. and I only know that because of Laura. I had no idea. Danica, when Dor- Dan, okay, so Laura, by the way, waited four hours in line to talk to Danica. Three, just three, yep. just three. Okay, three, okay. whatever, three. And I was like, how does everyone in this line know who Danica McKellar is? And people were like, the Hallmark movies? And I was like, wait, what the fuck are you talking about? She's in Hallmark movies? I only thought she was in Wonder Years. So then I went and did a deep dive. Everyone, like, oh my God, I just watched this one called like Christmas at the Drive-In. Must watch. Instead of people okay. like, you know how normally it's like, ooh, a small in owner right. is going to be brought out. Yes. But this is a small drive-in owner. <laughs> how right? did I miss that one? Is it new? I, I, I don't think so. I think no. it's like for me. And I just oh want to let you know two things. One, I keep my Christmas tree up all year too because I have a mini tree and I use it as a nightlight out Love. in my living room. Yeah. And when you did the deep dive, I hope you realized she got her degree. Danica got her degree in math and wrote a groundbreaking theorem. Did you 
Did you know that? I did not know about a theorem. That's why she probably was brought to, I mean, other than she also has written math books. Books. But yeah. Why don't they have her speak? Uh, Like, do you know what I mean? I don't know. I'm not in charge. Okay, well, well, maybe one day you will be. Wink, wink, wink. Okay, also, and also, just sorry, I feel like we need to do a disclaimer for everyone listening to this who's about to turn it off because they're like, I hate Christmas, and why are you talking about it? No problem. Let me just quickly explain. It is not about religion. It is not about Santa. It it is about the magic of the season. And because tying this back to you saying you're, I'm in Canada. In November, it is it is minus three degrees right now already. Mm -hmm. So we like, I feel the reason I start so early is like when it's so cold out, you need like it there needs to be a reason for it to be snowy and coldy. And that reason is the lights twinkle. You get all cozy with your cup of hot chocolate by the twinkly tree. People are nicer to each other. They help each other shovel their driveways. And that all ties into the Christmas spirit, which is about kindness and the belief that anything is possible, which by Mm -hmm. the way is the same ethos of math therapy. The belief that anything is possible. Now, tell tell the listeners about your podcast and what you do for a living. I mean, you're many, one of your many jobs, but you can talk about all of your jobs. Sure. Okay. So I I think I'm here. I think I'm here because of math therapy, which is my podcast. And the podcast is, we're on season six now. So we've interviewed over 50 guests about literally math trauma. The topic is math trauma. It started out as a podcast to help adults work through their math trauma. And I thought I was being like a non-creepy version of Dr. Phil, like interviewing people (laughs) and being like, oh my God, so how did this start? How did you feel about math? And then I would guide them through this process where at the end they'd be like, huh, maybe I am better at math than I think. Just like you're like, huh, maybe Santa does exist. You know what I mean? Like, so now I'm really going to this analogy because I love it. Um, (laughs) So that was how it started, but now it's turned into a podcast where I interview all sorts of people. So like, you know, lots of educators about how they approach math trauma in their classrooms, what they think math therapy looks like. I interviewed Mm -hmm. uh, the director of Jingle Jangle. I I swear I'm not doing this on purpose, guys, but like it does come back to Christmas. Have you seen it? No. Stop me. Turn off this podcast. Turn off this podcast. (laughs) Is this the thing where the faces go in and the people do the... No? no, okay. No, the movie, the movie. I won't wait. Isn't the isn't it the movie with wait, is Arnold Schwarzenegger in it? Is no, what's Jingle All the Way? What are you Stop. talking about? Stop it. Oh my god. Jingle Jingle is a math Christmas movie. It is oh, a it movie. is? It's a movie about a young girl who discovers that anything is possible through math. It's I'm gonna cry right now at the fact that people are going to be introduced to this movie right now. Listen, it came out, I'm going to say 2020 or 2021. The second it came out, all of us on the math therapy team were like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Is this a STEM Christmas movie that is a musical? I was like, this isn't what I watch it. I'm not even into musicals on TV. Like I want to see them in real life. No, I was bawling hysterically. We emailed the directors. We're like, can we interview you for a podcast? Thankfully, the movie was new enough and that a lot, not a lot of people, like how many people want to watch a math Christmas movie? Whatever. Who cares? The point is they said yes. And I interviewed them and it was like the biggest interview of my life. Like we couldn't believe they said yes because wow. this movie, this movie, everyone go watch it right now. It is. Where is it? Is it on Netflix? Is it's it on Netflix. It's on Jingle Jangle. It's called Jingle Jangle. This this key song is the square root of impossible. 
is me. <laughs> like it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. Okay. Anyways, you got to. <laughs> Point is, so we've interviewed a wide range of guests. <laughs> we interviewed the woman who wrote the book that Mean Girls was based on. We entered, like, do you know what I mean? Like, just lots of people in the in the world of math in ways we don't think about it. Like, they're, like, right. just all sorts of incredible. And a murderer. I interviewed a murderer from jail who started, yeah. who discovered math while in solitary confinement and has changed his life and started the prison mathematics project. Like. So the point is, as I started this podcast, I was like, oh my God, this is so much more than like just people have math anxiety and we help them through their math trauma. Math trauma is something that runs so deep in the fabric of every corner of like our lives in film and advertisements in the workplace, in the home, like in the queer community and the, you know, it's just whatever. That's the podcast. Then based on the podcast, I realized that we were, I was sort of like, kind of going over without meaning to five steps that I always use with my students that I have teachers use in the classroom that a lot of my guests were using. So from the, I won't go into that now, but the point is from the podcast, it turned into a very real methodology that I call math therapy, which is a five-step process to help an individual or a classroom or whatever heal from math trauma. So it's kind of turned into that thing, which is like, you know, so I present on that, I do PD on that, I consult on that. And like, that's kind of been really shape-shifting and exciting because I've watched it really work with my own students. And I've heard, you know, from educators who have tried these strategies kind of being like, okay, like, wow, you know, we talk a lot about growth mindset, but here we have an actual way to implement it in a way that maybe feels more authentic. But the challenge I think so many of us are facing is how do we make the time to make yeah. growth mindset a part of our classrooms in a way that is more just than lip service? Because you have to do things. Right. Yes. 100%. Okay. So now, t- wait, tell people mm. about one of your other jobs, which is your tutoring center. And okay. then we're going to go into the band. Okay. Okay. So then, so basically what everyone needs to know, and I should have said at the beginning is that I failed grade 11 math twice in high school. So I failed grade 11 math twice. I always just wanted to like marry Keanu Reeves and be a rock star. Those are still my dreams to this day. And I was always told in school, like as I was failing math, I was always told, well, like you're just not a math person. And I was like, oh my God, of course. Like I was meant for Hollywood, like la, la, la. And I finally, after passing grade 11 math, the third time I took it with a 57, I went to this alternative school that was actually like coined a term for misfits. Like that's what we all called it. Like, you know, like school for misfits and like all the misfits went there and we all like smoked cigarettes and we weren't good in traditional education and like la 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 la. But what was so cool about the school is it was incredible. It was, you know, it was not traditional school and, and you could see that even in its design. It was in an office building. It wasn't in it. We had to take an elevator, which was very cool for us, you know, us misfits. Like, you take an elevator up to class. Like, you call teachers by their first names. Like, we didn't have extracurricular activities. There were only 100 of us in the whole school. But what that meant is there were no cliques. There were no, like, people who could and people who couldn't. There were no jocks. There were no, like, the goth kids. Like, I don't know, whatever you have. So when I went into my grade 12 classroom and I said to my math teacher, you're going to have a lot of trouble with me. I'm not a math person. She was kind of like taken aback and she was like, I'm sorry, what? And I was like, oh, I'm not a math person. And she said the words that would change my life, which were, that's not a thing. And it, it changed everything for me. Like, it's not like, oh my God, all of a sudden I was good at math, but I ended up with a 98 in that class because when wow. I faced 
I know. And we all know it's not about the marks. That's not it. But what it showed me is that like, yes. you know, obstacles are not absolutes. When I couldn't understand something, I had someone to ask for help. I sought different strategies. I didn't just think to myself, well, I'm not a math person, so why bother? And that really changed things for me. So when I, you know, without, I didn't ever like be like, I'm going to grow up and run a tutoring center. No, but I was always like, I really want to like show this to other people. Like I started tutoring my classmates. Like I was like, oh my God, like guys, we've all been told this lie. Like we've been told that we're like misfits and we can't do it, but it's just that we were in the wrong place, you know, at the wrong time with the wrong strategy. So um, I ended up, and, and what I do now is I own a math tutoring studio called The Math Guru, and it's a brick and mortar studio. We do online tutoring too, but part of it is the design of the space because I always remember that that non-traditional feel is what set the tone. So like we have pink velvet couches, we light incense, we serve our students tea. We have over 50 tutors who are from different walks of life. They're athletes, musicians. I have two magicians randomly who are really good at math. You know, like the point is though to show kids, there's no one way of being good at math. You don't need to look a certain way. You don't need to sit down and shut up and like, you know, take your hat off and stop chewing gum. Like that's not what math is. So right, yeah, that's what I do. Okay, That's so cool. Now, well, if you ever want to open a South Florida, um, you know, building, no, look at her face. I was like, no, thank you. No, <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Okay, now talk about your rock band. Okay, and then because of my math teacher, seriously, I will thank her now. You know, I started this by saying the square root of impossible and talking about jingle jangle and Christmas. So to circle it back, that math moment for me of realizing that I'd been kind of t- fed this lie that, you know, I couldn't do math. It opened me up to being like, oh my God, what else have I been told that I can't do? That actually is the goal of the framework math therapy. It is not, it is not to get kids 90s in math and to get them to improve their scores. That might be a byproduct. The goal is to show kids that anything is possible, even building a better relationship with math. Because kids get to a certain point early in their lives where they think, well, this is just how it's going to be between me and math. We just have a shitty relationship. That's just what it is. And the goal of math therapy is to show students, no, you can build a better relationship, whatever that looks like for you. And so when I built that better relationship with math, I was like, what else can I do? Well, my dream is to be a fucking rock star. Like that's what I'm going to go for. I ended up starting a band We had a bunch of very unfortunate situations where people told us we sucked. You know, I got told I was the worst singer ever. But because of that experience with math, I was like, well, I'm just going to keep going. What other strategies do I have? And I ended up hiring a vocal coach. I worked with her for years and years. I ended up, I'm now on my fourth vocal coach. But eight years after that first incident where someone was really like, you know, you suck at singing. I, um... We ended up opening for Bon Jovi at the Air Canada Center in front of 15,000 people. And it was, I mean, it's obviously one of the best experiences to date. But what it showed me was like, all that failure wasn't for nothing. And in fact, it got me to where I, you know, if that, like, first of all, it's super rude. You shouldn't tell someone they suck. But if he hadn't done that, maybe I never would have hired a vocal coach. You know, maybe I never would have like done what it had taken to be good enough to open for Bon Jovi. So like, you know, and a lot of my experiences in that band, even now, I was saying before we started, like I get, you know, we have our own record label. It's called Rejection Records because like no one will sign us. It's it's a passion project through struggle. And like 
I only know that that's okay and that that adds to my worth because of my experiences in math class. So I always say to math educators, like, we have this unbelievable experience to teach our kids about failure and risk-taking and growth because in our classrooms, our kids have been told there's only one way to be right. There's only one way to be good. And we have this incredible opportunity to bust that myth for them. How is that? How would <laughs> I love time? that. That was no. awesome. Okay, um, I have to ask you about your hair. Why? Well, I'm just wondering. I told you I have like random questions for you. How often do you color your hair? Oh my God, is it because it looks so fried? No, because every time I see you, it's a different color. Like, no. Yes, when we were in DC, it was, I want to say, purple. No, it wasn't, but I love that you imagined that. Okay. <laughs> okay. I feel like I feel like it was pink last year. Was it pink when you did the last? It was pink last year. Mm-hmm. Karina, ding, ding, ding. Gold star yes. for you. Yes. <laughs> oh, you're right. Okay. Okay. So it was the same color. But, but it is purple. Okay. Okay. So here's the deal with my hair, everyone. For everyone who wants to know my hair secrets that you should not follow because what happened is last year, I bleached the fuck out of my hair. I was like, I want white blonde hair. Now it, you can't see this podcast, but I'm half Indian. So everyone knows. So my hair is black. All right. And it was so like, I was so excited about it. I bleached it. What happened was that actually I got what we call a chemical cut where like chunks of it went missing. Like chunks. Oh gosh. Chunks of it fell off. So chunks of it fell off. So to make up for that, I ended up having to get like a faux mullet. Okay. So last year at NCTM, I had this like fake mullet and I dyed my hair like a light pink just to like make myself feel better about having a mullet. Anyway, so now I've grown it out and I'm allowed to bleach my hair like twice a year max, which I kind of have to because I have these like crazy roots. But I can't go white, white, blonde anymore. So because I can't go white, white, blonde anymore, sometimes I throw a pastel purple or pink on top of it oh. just to like spice things up because that's not harmful to your hair. It's the bleaching that's really bad. Okay. Now I'm looking at another picture of us and you're a hundred percent right. It was blonde. Like, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I guess I just imagined purple. Well, a lot of my pictures are from when I had purple hair, like the year before. Okay. okay. That's why you, that's why you think that. Okay. All right, okay, whatever. All right. And I want to know. I want to know. I know you're working on a on a book. Oh, that can was my next a question. Little bit about that. I don't know if I'm allowed to like say what it's about, but you can probably just guess what it's about. So I'm, right. I'm gonna guess it has to do with yeah. math therapy. I mean, yeah, like I will neither confirm nor deny. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna do my really ugly wink that no one can see. Okay, okay. Um, what can I tell you about writing this book? So I'm on week three of writing the book. I have a very like it's a two month deadline. So I've got to write this book in two months. I, I'm not going to say I'm not a writing person because I don't believe in that obviously, but I really do not like writing. Like it is the thing that stresses me out. It always has. In high school, I was so stressed out in English class when you had to write that essay. As you can tell, I'm like an outer processor. I ramble a lot. I like to tell side stories. I am not like I do not like having to make my thoughts concise and really think about them. I am not detail-oriented at all. I don't want to proofread right. it. I just want to like blow it out and have someone just like deal with it. Which is why my editor at Corwin is uh, my guardian angel. She's incredible. She literally like will just be like, yep, didn't edit much. Just deleted half of it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's- Go 
good because it gives me the permission to just ramble and like not have right. to self-censor. And like, I like, I know she's going to take out all the swearing, but like, I just, you know, like I'll just swear throughout and she'll be like, okay, like, great. We can't put that in a book, but for educators, <laughs> but thank you. Um, She has left a lot of the all caps in. So Yay! I'm that's exciting. Yeah. So that's good. I think it's, it's really challenging me. I think when you have to put your ideas to paper permanently, mm-hmm. I definitely feel scared. Like I'm like, okay, I've been saying this for a while, but now it's going to be like in a book. Like, do I really mean this? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm like, do I really mean this? Do I really believe this? Like, so it's, it's been good for me in the sense that it's cha- challenged me to like really dig deep and make sure that I really believe what I'm saying and I'm saying what I mean. Um, And also it's been cool because I think it's going to lead me to even further refine the five-step math therapy process in a way that's like, okay, let's be realistic. A lot of teachers don't have time. So like, what can I provide for those teachers who really just need a quick fix that's still going to make a difference in their classroom? So it's been good. But like, honestly, my book process has been a lot of me just texting. Like I'm looking at my phone I have two texts from Lisa McConchie and Deborah Pierre that are in response to me this morning. I messaged them and said, are you ready for your daily? Vanessa's freaking out over writing a book message. So it's just them pep talking me and being like, a lot of people write books that don't know anything. Like you're okay. <laughs> and then me being like, right, right, right. So it's a lot of uh, that. I said to Deborah the other day, I was like, my imposter syndrome's really kicking in. And she was like, can you stop? identifying with your imposter syndrome. You are experiencing imposter syndrome. It's not your imposter syndrome. And I was like, oh my God. So yeah, it's been, it's been tough, but like, it's not like I'm going to quit, but I'm just like, this is when I have to take my own advice and be like, okay, I can do hard things. Like it's, it's, it's like, do I like it? No. Like I like it in the moments where I feel like I've done something really good and my editor's like, this is amazing. But, like, I don't like it any other time. (laughs) You know, this is it. I'm, like, really thinking about it. I'm, like, no, I enjoy being up here and carving out time to write a book. But, like, I'm stressed a lot of the time and being, like, fuck, like, I've got to figure out how to, like, say these things that I know are in my head. Like, that's hard. That's hard to do. It's hard for me. To me, you're such a – and I I say this with all the love – you are a rambler. And you say things. So for you to put it on paper, maybe you should just record yourself talking and then go back and write the stuff that, you know what I'm saying? Because I think you verbally process things instead of internally, right? Yes. I'm an outer processor. Completely. And it's so funny you suggest that because I remember reading, like I was listening to a Brene Brown podcast and she said the same thing. She said how she writes her books is she will like rent a cottage with her friends and she will just say all this stuff and they will take notes and record her and then like feed it back to her. And I was like, that is so smart. I, I think I'm in luck in the way that like, I've now said it so many times, right? Like I've presented on it so many times. I've talked about it so many times that it's now really the organization piece. And that's the part that stresses me out, right? I'm also an over explainer. So like I'll explain something 10 times and Debbie, my editor will be like, you literally could have said this in two sentences. And I'm like, okay, well, like, so at least like, but you're right. Like, I think if I get stuck on something, I will do that. Like I I will, but I think it's, it's the organization. It's the like being like, how do I say this in a way that's organized so teachers can use it instead of them being like, that's very cool that you just talked about that for an hour. 
what would you like me to do with this? Right, right. <laughs> so you said you have two months to write it? Yeah. So now I don't because now it's the third week of November. So now I have five weeks left. Oh, okay. <laughs> no and, pressure. And when does it potentially come out? Let's say next year at some point. Okay. All and right. Do we have a title yet? Or a I can't. I, I can't tell you. Well, we. I can't tell you that for sure. Okay. But like. Okay. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. Fantastic. Well, I don't even you know, know what I'm allowed to say. I just don't want to get in trouble. I got to ask yeah, my yeah. editor. Okay. <laughs> no, that's fine. But you do know that you have two reviewers right in front of you that yes. will be. Oh. Yeah. More than happy. To review your books. And and I want to say, okay, actually, we can just talk about this later. I was about to be like, so for the revealing process, but I do want you to, I want you to think about it from the perspective of being like, would I use this? To, yeah. Oh my God. I'm so excited. You two are on the list. So don't even worry about it. Okay. Great. And You're thank okay. you also for, thank you for offering to do that. That's like a lot of your time. Yeah. But Listen, that's stuff I'm we so enjoy. Yeah, like- <laughs> exactly. I'm so excited. And then eventually we could do a book club and you could come join us for a book club because that is our thing. I know. I love that. I love it. Oh my God. I'd be honored. Oh my God. I just like almost felt sick thinking about someone reading the oh. book. <laughs> <laughs> there will be people that are going to yes. read this book. You realize Why? that, right? <laughs> Have you had to do a lot? Like I think if I were to write a book, I think the biggest thing, the, the biggest more or the most daunting task would be the research part. Like that's the part that, right, that I would just be like, I don't even know where to go, where to look, what, what to cite. That would be frightening. It's so funny you bring that up because like I have academia trauma. Like I, when I did my master's, like, I, I'm going to say that was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Like, I almost quit so many times. I became so unhealthy. I developed so many bad habits. Like, it was the fucking worst. Because in academia, it's like, if you use one wrong word. Like, I remember I submitted this draft. I had to extend my master's degree by a whole semester because I used the word adolescent instead of teenager. And adolescent implies you're coming from a totally different paradigm that like, it was like so crazy. And it was like, it was also my first time I'd really like dug into the world of like gender studies. We weren't, this was in 2010. We weren't talking about this stuff then. All of this stuff was so new to me. And it was like, it was the craziest having to watch every word, having to cite every single thing. Like you can't say anything that's your own thought. Now, fast forward to now, I keep, my editor keeps reminding me that like, no, this is about your own practice. It's your own, like, yes, there's some things to cite. Like, of course, when I'm talking about like how the brain works or how trauma works, like I'll throw it, I didn't make that up. But most of it is really my own practice. But I'm doing exactly what you said, where two two months ago, I started reading everything I could. I have like, oh my God, I want to show you my stack of books, but it's a podcast. Who cares? I was flagging things. I was like, I have all these things. And then I was so stressed. I was like, how am I going to remember where all these quotes are? How am I going to? Yes. So I was so, but I was like, when I started writing, I realized I don't. I, there has been very few times I've had to like look for, I don't need a thousand quotes. This isn't a research paper. Right. So like, I think I'm more approaching it from the sense of like, I've learned so much from so many other educators that that's already shaping my perspective. And that is already coming out on the page. 
you know, as opposed to me being like, because I do keep feeling what you're, I'm like, am I missing something? Do I need to like talk about this and that? But like, mm-hmm. it's not a research paper. Right. Like that's the point. Like no teacher wants to read a research paper anyway. Like you, that's the whole point. Like, it's an accessible book. Okay, Laura, you're weird. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Maybe you and Deborah want to read a research paper. I do not. I hated academia because I was like, this is so inaccessible to the audiences who really need to read it. Like, it just, yeah, I I definitely didn't fit in into that world. Like, I was like, I don't want to talk like this. I don't want to use pedantic language. Like, it's so elitist. Like, ugh. So, yeah, I think what you said, I have definitely felt that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm kind of like, as I'm writing, I'm like, it kind of feels like when I need to cite something, I can just look it up, right? Like I can just right. be like, look, like look up an important citation, but like how, you know, I haven't, I've done all this research and my master's degree is in this. I've already done it. Okay. I want to, okay. I want to circle back to your master's because I know what you did for your master's, but I don't think Karina or maybe I don't, our listeners yeah, I don't. know. So my master's was called Imagining a World Where Paris Hilton Loves Math. That was the title of it. <laughs> and it was all about interrogating. It was it came from classroom practice because I was when I had been in the classroom noticing, and now remember, this is 20, 2009. 2008. It's 2008. Right okay, before Common Core came out. Just just as a yeah. reference point. Yes. Which is interesting. And I'm in Canada, so we don't have that. But yes, like think about that time frame. thinking about what you were doing, what was cool. Like it was like hipster culture, by the way, had just started. We didn't know what a hipster was yet. Okay. Think about how long ago that, okay, so it was yeah. like a different time. That being said, I was noticing that all these girls in my classroom were getting 90s and and like I would ask them a question and they'd be like, oh, no, no, no. Like, I don't actually know the math. Like, oh my God, no, no, no. Like that was just a fluke. I got that on a test. Like, I don't want to say dumbing themselves down because mm-hmm. we can't do that now. But at the time, that's what I was seeing. And it was coming from, I was like, this is so fucking in line with Mean Girls or movies like yeah. Clueless. I'm just seeing that behavior where like, not only do girls not want to be labeled as good at math, they genuinely don't believe they're good at math. It was two mm-hmm. things. So so I ended up like, you know, going and doing my master's thesis on studying how media representations affect the way girls see themselves as doers of math. And now to back up, like my undergrad degree is in commerce. Like I have a degree in marketing first. Like, you know, like, so I already was like, I've always been super fascinated with marketing and just like Mm -hmm. consumer behavior and psychology and like how education is one of the only industries, I'm going to call it an industry, that does not take any of the years and years of advice and research we have on how consumers work. Mm. students are consuming a product. We are selling them a product. And what we're saying is, we don't give a fuck what you think about this product. You're going to buy what you're selling because guess what? You have no choice. Mm -hmm. So we don't use any of the strategies that a normal company would do to like really make sure their audience likes what they're selling. Right. And I'm not saying this in a, in a gross, disgusting, like capitalist way. I'm talking about just simply the emotional behavior behind wanting to consume something we don't like think about this in edge in in any marketing firm one of the key things they use are focus groups Mm -hmm. they ask consumers what do you want what do you like about this what do you not and then they change their delivery accordingly we never ask students what they think Mm -hmm. we don't care what they think it's all top down so like that kind of stuff always bothered me and you know crystal watson talks about student voice a lot 
then this idea of like, why aren't we listening to the students? Like we want buy-in from our students, but we never ask them what they want to see. So like, I think anyways, all that to say that this thesis was a culmination of like gender studies, marketing, and math education to be like, why aren't we taking a pay? You know, we're, we're doing all this stuff in the classroom, but we've got to acknowledge our kids are dealing with giant media sources that are telling them math isn't cool. Math is hard. Math is only for certain people. How do we combat that on the ground floor? You can say too, like things have gotten like better. Like sure they have, especially like in the media world, like a lot of those movements, like Me Too, for example, have like forced media organizations to rethink the messaging they're giving to kids. But I will still challenge you to find a movie where the cheerleader character is good at math. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like it's still, it's still kind of the similar story. There's always like a nerdy character and then a popular cheerleader character. Yeah. One of them is good at math. One of them isn't, you know, like we're getting closer. We're seeing more representation, but, but with math, it's actually still like, we're still at a deficit. I always said like, I mean, I want someone to do their master's thesis on this. The increase of female identifying students that are now in in medical sciences or in, in biology has skyrocketed. Okay. Like that is one science field where there are, you know, like there's parity, there's gender parity. But like, is it because of shows like Grey's Anatomy and ER? Like it's like, is mm-hmm. think about all the shows that have normalized that you can retain your idea or your identity, mm-hmm. whatever that may be. But like Let's think of just like things like, okay, you can still have a relationship. You can still have like, you can still wear cool clothes and like whatever. Like think about the Mindy Project. She was a doctor, a woman in STEM, but loved fashion and boys, for example. Like those two never coexisted before. Like, you know, when you think about like ER, Grey's Anatomy, you have these complex female characters who, yes, they're doctors, but they're also like living their lives and like, you know, dealing with romance and they're making money and they're like liking whatever their other things are. I don't think a show has brought math and identity together that way. It's always like you're either good at math or you have a social life. You're either good at math or you have social skills. You're either good at math or you're attractive. Okay. I just re-watched every season, all five seasons of Alias with Jennifer Garner. Oh. Okay. She is like the quintessential problem solver. Sydney Bristow. She kicked complete ass in that show like literally and figuratively you know so and that was probably the early 2000s so I think that show was probably quote ahead of its time right right so let me ask you in that show is she doing math she's problem solving on the fly so No, there's this one character, Marshall, although in the later seasons, and I forget her name, the blonde girl, she's also a computer coder. So yes, there is a female character that is actually doing the math on the fly. Like she's, she even said about advanced calculus, you know, blah, blah, blah on paper right here because they had to fix something and she got to do it. So yay. (laughs) Yay. Total yay. And I think... Yes, but it's like, so it's funny that you were like, well, she's problem solving. We don't think of problem solving as math yet, mm-hmm. right? Like we're starting to, but our students definitely don't think that. They think math yeah. is like like numbers, equations, la, la, la. Like we're only now starting to emphasize, no, if you're solving any problem, you're using the same skills you'd use in math. So that's my only like thing of being like, okay, so 
that's great for alias, but it's like, is it explicit enough for students to hang on to, you know, like, but, but you're right. That character who's like gets to do calculus or who's coding things that look like more traditional math, that is very helpful. And we need more of that. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, and again, those shows need to be targeted to young people. Like are young people watching alias? Like young people are watching Grey's Anatomy. Right. You know, like, young people are watching like never have I ever and they're watching sex education and they're you know what I mean so like or like you know what I mean like thinking about like 13 reasons why I'm just thinking about what other shows have been like like, stranger things like that kind of stuff like we need to see those types of characters in those shows Mm -hmm. yeah and it can't be like the nerdy character it has to be like you know what actually um have you watched sex lives of college girls no no so that's a Mindy Kaling show okay she directed it and it's great, but it so it is. There's a female character named Layton who's a queer character. She's a cheer, blonde cheerleader sorority girl who comes out as queer, and she's also really good at math. And it is the first character I've seen where it's like seamless. Like she's just like, yeah, what? Like it's not like she makes a big deal of it. That's just part of her thing. Is she's really good at math. But there is a scene that pisses me off where she's like, okay, I'm going to this math contest, but like, just tell people I'm like on a private yacht or something. Like (gasps) she's like, she doesn't want people to know. And I was like, it's those little messages, those microaggressions, you know, that like still are giving us the message that you don't want. So if you're a popular girl or just retain your popularity, you don't want people to know. Yeah. Oh, Oh. that just like, like, they were close with yes. that character. He was close with that character. Like I was like, until that scene, I was like, yes, Leighton. But yeah. Then not so much. Okay. I'm looking at the time. So I'm just wondering, are there any like final things you want to say to all of our listeners before we end? I feel like I haven't said, have I said anything? I feel like I've rambled the entire time, no, guys. You said lots. You, you said, said lots. lots. Really? I didn't let you guys speak at all. No, but that's, that's that was but, the whole point. We wanted yes. to hear from you. Right. Okay, but can I, okay I want to ask you a question. Okay. okay, okay as no. we close off here, I have a question for you guys. How do you recommend that te- – like, do you, let me ask you this question for personal reasons only. Do you use non-curricular tasks in math class or in your coaching or anything? Like, do you ever suggest that teachers do things like a growth mindset journal or like anything like that? For themselves? No, for their students. Oh, a growth mindset journal? Well, like math identity work. Like, do you do? Yeah. So at the beginning of the year, and Karina, you go ahead. You pick up about the no, dry I, yourself. I, Right. A lot of that stuff happens, unfortunately, just at the beginning of the year. Like I, I wish that it happened more often and I, and I do have to make a bigger effort of having it, you know, happen throughout the year and not just at the beginning, but we do a uh, draw yourself learning math activity, which is usually one of the first, you know, one of the first weeks. Um, and then they just write their, um, like what they drew in their picture and what, what that represented. Uh, another one that I actually had when I did PD at my school, I had teachers create a timeline of uh, positive math experiences and negative math experiences and just reflecting on that uh, and then hoping that they could bring that into their own classrooms too. But yeah, I, unfortunately with our time and our scope and 
the excessive amount of testing that happens uh, down here in the in the states, it's yeah. not. There's really not a lot of time for those extra things. Well, and so like I, because I'm really like kind of like, well, what do we do here? Because yeah. it's like. You know, we don't have time for that. Yeah. And I know that that's a terrible excuse, right? Like that. No, it's not. It's not though. It's not a terrible excuse. It's a re- the reality of your life. Like you're right. not saying it to be an excuse. You genuinely feel like there's not enough time. Yeah. And the truth is there probably isn't. But the, the question is, what do we do? Because science shows, you know, it, this is just a scientific fact that when you're anxious, you, yeah. your, your mental resources are being used towards managing that anxiety and you cannot learn content coming in, right? Like it's like, imagine you're being attacked by a tiger and someone's like, okay, and here's how you do the quadratic formula. Like you can't even, you can't hear that. Right. So, so I'm just kind of like thinking for myself and for my book and just like for you know, everything, I'm like, what, how, what's the balance? What are we all doing here? Right. What are, We're what spinning are we- our wheels. Yeah. And even educators like Joe Bowler, who is like, you know, giving us all this advice, like, how are we, what's the point of it if we can't use it? Right. Like, is any of my advice even helpful if there's no time to use it? I think yes, because. Yeah, I do too. You know, Vanessa, everything in education is so damn slow. Everything. I don't know why, but stuff that I read 10, 12 years ago is finally happening now. So I feel like, yes, whatever you write down, it might take a decade, but it'll start getting through, which is not what anybody wants to hear, but that's reality. Yeah. It just feels like sometimes I think probably we all feel, I'm sure you feel too, that you're like just climbing uphill, right? Like it's like one step forward, 10 steps back because you're like- And I think for me, this has been really useful. This therapy session we're now having has <laughs> been really useful because I think I'm going to end up actually just tailoring. I'm going to have a section for things that we can do long term or that take time. But I think most of it, I want it to be something you don't have to wait 10 years to implement. I want it to be something you can do right now within the time you have. And I think that this this conversation and some conversations I've been having over the past month have just made me realize that because, you know, it's not, it's it's like our students. They don't care if something is relevant to them in 10 years. It has to be relevant to them right now no. or they don't. Mm-hmm. So, and this is relevant now. So I think it's like, I think we have to find a way. Like I just look at all these incredible ac- educators who are using mindfulness work and, you know, growth mindset work and all of this stuff. And like, and it's not being put to use. Yes. Okay, let's end on a more positive Wait, note, though. But okay, I, there's something I want to say, and it all comes back to marketing, back to your mm-hmm. major. That's what it all comes back to. Because before I heard Peter speak about BTC, somehow I found him. I don't know where, but in the 2019-2020 school year, that's when I, I was a math coach, but also a fifth grade math teacher of record. And I was doing Thinking Classrooms that whole year, even the year before. In Without knowing about him? Yeah. No, I knew about him, but the book okay. hadn't come out. I don't know. The podcast, Kylan John's podcast, he wasn't even on yet. I found him, I want to say, in either late 2018 or the beginning of 2019. And by, I think it was spring break, I had bought my white books 
And I was mm-hmm. starting that in the 2018, 2019 school year. Mm. But again, however I found him, that's what it, it all comes back to marketing. Yeah. It all comes back. I guess, I guess that's interesting. Like, yes, marketing and then, and the product, right? Yeah. It's like having a good product and having, okay, so great. Now let's, okay, we've tied this back to marketing, but what we really need to do is tie this all back to Christmas. So <laughs> in, my final, in my final moments, in my final moments, when is this coming out? Is this coming out soon? Um, it's actually going to come out, I think, right before Christmas. Yay! Okay, Yay! <laughs> so what I was going to say is, you know, as you sit back and reflect on the joy and wonder of the season and what elements make the holidays, whatever holiday you celebrate, but just this time of year, so magical. Is it the coziness? Is it the personalization of gifts? Is it the extra kindness and empathy we show others? Is it the myths and stories and legends we tell our children? Reflect on that same magic and wonder in math. What is it that allows us to believe even for a moment, even for a week, a day, a season, or hopefully a lifetime that anything truly is possible. The end. Yes. Rom-com, rom-com ending. I am now making out with Keanu Reeves <laughs> as the credits roll. <laughs> okay. I just want to tell you that you just gave our listeners the challenge for the week. Yes. Yeah. Thank it, you. Yeah. Yeah. What is it that allows us to believe that anything is possible? So oh, thank you for I doing just- that. Now I don't have to come up with one. And I I cannot wait for this episode to come out and like get feedback from all the listeners. They're gonna they're gonna love it. Okay, listeners, that's the end of that. A couple things. We forgot to tell you at the beginning that we recorded that over Thanksgiving break. Yes. And Karina, what did you want to say about our episode number? I mean, it is the coolest thing, right? We talked so much about the magic of Christmas. And look at our episode number. It's 125. And you know what? You could do 12 at the beginning. I know. 25 at the end. Like Yes. It's so, I mean, it was not planned. And our conversation wasn't even planned. I mean, I didn't realize we were going to talk that much about Christmas in this episode. But it was. I mean, it was just was amazing. It was magical. It was a magical, magical conversation. I loved it. And I, I just, love Christmas. I do. So it all comes together. Yes, and I think that we are, we are going to say that this is our yeah. last episode of 2023. Our final one. You in 2024 for sure with um, some very <laughs> amazing guests. So you yes. will not want <laughs> You, you will not want to miss our our episodes up our upcoming episodes in They're January be... when we drop them. Phenomenal, yes. yes and phenomenal. of course, we'll we will let you know ahead of time when we're going to drop them because who knows? We might take a two or three week break. Oh, you know what? We probably will have to take an extra break because I'm going to DC with the safety patrols, the ah. fifth graders on the train. Yeah, yes. the week end, the weekend right after we get back from break. Yes, so tentatively yeah. maybe mid to late January we will come back. Yeah. Um, thanks for joining us. We'll see you in 2024. 
Happy New Year. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and give us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform. We invite you to join the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag learningthroughmath. We'd love to hear your feedback. Make sure to tag us at Laura and Karina. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. To you too.